0: Another episode of Radio Rounds, the podcast interview series presented by St. Louis Children's Hospital, covering pediatric topics of
1: interest to doctors and healthcare professionals. Here's Melanie Cole. Welcome. Our topic today is pediatric somatic symptom disorder, and my guest is Dr. Suzanne Thompson. She's a pediatric psychologist at St. Louis Children's Hospital. Dr. Thompson, what is somatic symptom disorder?
0: There are two core features. One involves uh, a somatic symptom that's long-standing and causes distress. Uh, Sometimes there can be multiple symptoms, uh, but you really just need one for the diagnosis. And then the second criteria is excessive thoughts, worrying. It's the time and energy, Um, a lot of focus and preoccupation related to that symptom or health concern.
1: So what should pediatricians look for? As parents, we bring our children to the pediatrician and say, oh, they've got headaches or stomach aches or joint pain or any number of things. What do you want pediatricians to know what red flags to be looking for?
0: So among kids, exactly. Um, the examples you just gave, the most common things to look for with somatic symptom problems in kids and teens are abdominal pain, headache, back pain, blurry vision fatigue and nausea. And in kids uh, are more likely to just have the one prominent symptom. And almost always with kids, you're looking at some difficulty with daily functioning, troubles getting to school, uh, doing social activities because of the health complaints.
1: So what are some of the risk factors? Why are some children more susceptible to somatic symptom disorder than others?
0: Right. There are many factors that can influence that. Um, One is a family history of chronic illness, um, being female gender, family having fewer years of education, um, socioeconomic challenges, um, and as well as adverse experiences such as physical and sexual abuse of the child.
1: When a parent brings their child in and the pediatrician recognizes some of these red flags... Does bringing in a mental health professional tend to upset parents or patients? Do they right away to the pediatrician get upset by this? Speak as a health professional, a mental health professional, on what you see as the reaction that parents have when you come into the picture.
0: Right. Well, there are certainly many things primary care physicians would do on their own um, in treating this. Uh, the recommendations are you know, for the PMD to be doing the primary type of treatment for a while. Some of these problems are transient, they're short-term, they resolve um, with education. The simple, you know, uh, education from the from the PMD that the body can generate symptoms in the absence of a disease is enormously, sometimes very helpful. Many parents have not really thought of that. They think you need to keep doing more tests, you need to keep finding what the cause is. So, um, I think certainly sometimes that mental health professionals can be part of the treatment plan. But not necessarily necessary in the early stages.
1: So speak about some of the difficulties with healthcare utilization and the associated risk for other disorders that might happen as a result.
0: Exactly. so the the two most common other disorders are anxiety and depression, and that uh, there's very clear data on that that um, that increases the risk. And it becomes a bidirectional, you know, bi-directional influence, right? That anxiety and depression makes it harder to deal with the headache or the abdominal pain, and loss of activity, not going to school, not having um, typical social experiences with your friends and family, then can worsen emotional distress. In terms of the healthcare utilization, these patients are often challenging um, for clinicians. They um, often, you know, seek care from multiple clinicians. Um, doctor shopping is common. They, um, the pediatrician may be doing a beautiful job explaining, uh, that, you know, that the exam results are normal, the test results are normal, and that doesn't allay the the family's concern. They continue to be sometimes very focused on finding a cause or a disease mechanism. They may press the PMD to order, you know, more diagnostic tests. Uh, and there may be, maybe some overt frustration, um, and disappointment expressed that, um, that this is going on. On the, on the other hand, we as clinicians may feel like, you know, I, I, I'm not sure what else to do to to help this patient see that, um, you know, for example, the headache or the abdominal pain is benign, that they can pursue functioning. Sometimes families will increasingly go to the internet to find kind of unorthodox um, remedies. So it really can be at times uh, involved some frustration and, and difficulty with the management.
1: Speak a little bit about management. How is it treated and how can pediatricians support the functioning and coping during treatment?
0: Right. So, um, one of the standard recommendations for that for pediatricians is to regularly schedule outpatient visits so that you don't have to have a symptom to get clinical attention. Um, that, that, you know, that's sort of more on a schedule. Um, again, we talk a lot about education and mindset. We use a lot of metaphors. Um, when we are explaining this concept that, you know, the body can generate symptoms in the absence of a disease, there are lots of helpful, you know, ways of understanding, um, that the, the, the brain, uh, you know, is firing like a false alarm is sometimes what we use. Just like you can have a fire drill. The alarm system's going off. It's certainly very obnoxious, very loud. It seems like there's, there's, could be a fire. But we know that that's a drill or a, a false alarm with a car alarm going off. No one was actually trying to steal that car. The brain and the body are reacting, um, and, and, and the, the a person is perceiving pain, but there's not necessarily, um, you know, a disease, uh, in terms of the first domino and that domino effect.
1: One of the more important factors I would suspect, Dr. Thompson, is when pediatricians are referring patients. How can they set realistic expectations for referral to a specialist with their patients? What do you want them to be telling their patients about what they can expect?
0: Right. So we definitely want to avoid using language like, you know, we're going to find out what's going on. Um, because that sort of reinforces the mistaken idea that there's something uh, serious going on, you know, sort of like some of the television shows like House, right? If, If we just get the right doctor, We'll figure out what's going on. There'll be a simple, straightforward explanation and a simple, straightforward treatment plan, and this problem will be fixed. So we you know, we definitely don't want that. Again, um, you want to continue talking about realistic ex- expectations. One of the things that we know that is a developmental factor that puts certain kids and teens at risk is some, some real perceptual distortions um, about good health, um, that paying a lot of attention, to what, what are generally benign um, bodily processes, having interpreting things as catastrophic, this is a sign, like health anxiety, this is a sign, this headache means, or this belly pain, the fact that I'm tired, it means that there's something wrong, um, misattribution that these kind of benign experiences are a reflection of serious illness. So setting up that the specialist is going to help us um, come up with some strategies for management, help us talk about... Uh, options for coping, and really always using that language about increasing functioning. That is really key with this population. The goal is to, for us to all to work together with a specialist to help you tolerate some of this discomfort while we're also looking for options to help with management at the same time.
1: As a wrap-up, Dr. Thompson, what else does a referring physician need to know about somatic symptom disorder, and when referral to a specialist is really indicated?
0: Right. So, you know, physical symptoms may be a way of talking with the body. It may be a way of expressing distress with some patients who have trouble expressing emotions in words. So I think being sensitive, doing the typical thorough evaluation and ongoing monitoring that our pediatricians do, and then don't be afraid to call um, a mental health clinician to get to discuss the case, we are certainly happy to do that, and also to use your kind of benign, um, generally good health interventions, such as physical therapy, other ways to support physical activity and exercise, and always coming back to that encouragement with families that they don't need to sit back and wait until they're in perfect health they can go out there and take the small steps that will build up over time to improve quality of life and overall health.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Thompson, for being on with us today and sharing your expertise in this very interesting situation that some parents and children find themselves in. Dr. Thompson will be presenting pediatric somatic symptom disorders in more detail during the October 26th and 27th fall clinical pediatric update for CME credits to register Or for physician referral, please call the Children's Direct Physician Access Line at 1-800-678-HELP. That's 1-800-678-4357. You're listening to Radio Rounds with St. Louis Children's Hospital. For more information on resources available at St. Louis Children's Hospital, you can go to stlouischildrens.org. That's stlouischildrens.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks for listening.